Your number one Christian hit station at the Strong Blue Line Ministries present Cop Talk. Welcome to the podcast where former San Antonio police officer, author, and pastor Tim Rupp takes you through real law enforcement scenarios and discusses excerpts from his books. This is Cop Talk at its best, and it starts now. Hello and welcome to Strong Blue Lines Cop Talk. I'm Tim Rupp in the Rev.FM studio in beautiful Idaho Falls. Here with me is the station manager, Mr. Gary Austin. Hello, Gary. Well, hello, Tim Rupp. How's it going? It's it's going well. It's going well. You know, just when you thought winter was over. <laughs> we got a taste of it last week. It's yeah, not, we I'm not sure gone did. yet. I'm still nope. here. So always comes back with a vengeance. Yeah, we need we need we need the snowpack though. We, we need do. The, we need yeah, the we really snow do. in the mountain. So that's that's good to get some extra snow in the mountain. Anyways, yep. hey, we got a lot going today. I always say, what's this? We got a jam packed show. <laughs> we do. We, we got a lot. <laughs> we we really got a lot do. of stuff yeah. going on. One thing I want to mention, Gary. We talked about this. Moose Ridge Coffee in the Snake River Landing is sponsoring a special Strong Blue Line Foundation uh, fundraiser. That is awesome. And it's going to be in May. It's going to be the second week of May, which is uh, Police Week, National Police Week. So we're going to be talking more about that. There's going to be specials That's going great. on there. Yeah. It's, it's going to be cool. It's going to go on all week. And Sherry and I will be there uh, Friday and Saturday, the last couple of days, Perfect. to greet people and, you know— uh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That, that, that's going to be cool. Another thing is coming up here at Water Springs in just a couple of weeks, March 16th and 17th. Uh, Pastor Ty's going to be gone. He's going to be out of town. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to, to step in and, and, and speak that, that weekend. Great. So I'm going to speak, but Sherry and I are also going to be presenting the Strong Blue Line uh, Foundation. Oh, that, wonderful. That weekend. That'll be really so, good to hear. So, yeah, so that's a Strong Blue Line weekend or Great. whatever it is. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, so we'll talk more about that as that's coming up. But that's coming up uh, pretty quick. So some exciting things going on. There really is. Yeah, that's exciting. I like it. And we got a lot to talk to. We're going to talk about gun rights again. Oh, gun rights. Here we go again with gun rights. Well, I like it. Okay. We have shootings again. We had the the shooting in Houston. Yeah. At at the the church church. in Houston. And then we had the uh, shooting in Kansas City. Yeah. After the the, the uh, football celebration mm-hmm. and, and things, so things are always going on, and so we're going to talk about a little bit different take on this, but we'll be talking about that. But before Great. we do, <clears throat> let's talk about let's uh, talk about our officer down Memorial Page and the officers that we're going to honor, who have <clears throat> died in the line of duty on this date in history, and I have Sheriff David William Menzel, who in the watch last day on this earth was. February 21st, 1870. <clears throat> so you think this is out back in the Old West, but it was actually Orange County Sheriff's Office in Florida. Huh. Okay. So this wasn't the West, no. but it was down south. Huh. <clears throat> Very interesting, uh, Gary. Sheriff David Menzel set out with his son and another man to locate the suspects in a dispute over the sale of several head of cattle. As they were crossing a stream, they were ambushed, and Sheriff Mazel was mortally wounded. As he lay dying in his son's arms, he asked that his death not be avenged. Pretty good. You know, he's laying there yeah. dying, and he's, you know, that that's that shows a lot of character. It sure does, yeah. You know, don't, don't avenge me. And nevertheless, a posse was formed and captured the sus- suspected trigger man. He was tied to a plowshare and tossed over the side of a boat. When he failed to sink, the posse shot and killed him in a volley of rifle fire. Wow. That's 
yeah, that's taking the law into your own hands. It sure is. That's, I think the sheriff Absolutely. knew that that would probably happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he's telling his son, don't let it. That's yep. Sheriff Menzel had previously served with the Confederate Army during the Civil War and was survived by his wife and five children. He was buried in the Menzel family graveyard in Orlando, Florida. Wow. <clears throat> Orlando, huh. Next time I go to Orlando, I may have to try to see if I can find that graveyard. Yeah. Just go by and see that. That's. I was going to say that, yeah. 36 so. years old. Man, so his so son wasn't young. that old. No. So his son must have been at the most in his teens. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe younger. I don't know. Oh, wow. darn. Huh. Anyways. Well, for that, have, for, for that year, there's, uh, I mean, quite a bit of information. Usually these older ones, yeah, sometimes very little, but that's very, yeah, very little. That was a that very was, interesting one. That yeah, says very, a lot about him. Yeah. So this is uh, Lieutenant Eugene Lee Lasco. And end of watch on February 21st, uh, 2021, uh, so a few years ago. So a prisoner at the Indiana State Prison was being escorted uh, through a common area when he began to assault a corrections officer. And so this uh, Lieutenant Lasco, he came to the officer's assistance and the inmate stabbed him as well. Mm. Um, this was before um, other officers subdued him. Um, so Lieutenant Lasco and other wounded officer were transported to a hospital. And this is where uh, Lieutenant Lasco uh, passed away. Uh, the inmate who was serving a sentence for three murders uh, was charged with the murder of uh, Lasco and also other offenses. So Lieutenant Lasco was a U.S. Navy veteran, and he had served with the Indiana Department of Correction for 11 and a half years. Wow. 57. 57 years old. Yeah. You're in a, a Obviously, you have serious criminals where he was at because yeah. this guy was wanted for three murders. He was in prison. He had nothing to lose. No. Absolutely nothing. Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was dangerous. You know, he Very stabbed sad. him. He was able to get a hold of weapons somehow. Yeah. Or Some a makeshift. Kind of, or, yeah, yeah. A makeshift weapon or, or something. Well, you just, you know, it just goes it. to show you, you just, you can't. Um, he, he, you just, you just can't trust. Right. I mean, had it, you know, and, and we don't know, you know, the situation, but I mean, he wasn't handcuffed for some reason. Yeah. It transporting like. it through. Yeah. Well, like I said, we don't know what was going on. Maybe yeah. he was faking like he was ill or something right. or, yep. or they just trusted him. Maybe he never had been a problem. Yeah. That's you true. Know, and they just, That's true. they just took it for granted that he wasn't going to be a problem. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Darn but, it. That dangerous. I, I would. I would not want to be a corrections officer. No, I wouldn't either. I, would, I, I, I really would. Guys and gals that work in the correction facilities. Yeah, that's that's a tough, tough job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Anyways, so we're, we're going to talk about reciprocity. You like that word? <laughs> reciprocity. I like it. <laughs> I've practiced pronounce it pronouncing well. that word. I, well, I did a lot of practice, worked over, worked over, reciprocity. <laughs> anyway, so what is reciprocity? Reciprocity is is being able to do one, legally doing something in one state and the other, another state, recognizing it, like you're married. You got married in Idaho. Well, the other states also recognize that marriage, reciprocity. Oh, okay. You know, so that's okay. that same thing. Well, you have a driver's license here 
and you can drive to another state and they recognize that driver's license. Uh-huh. If you have a concealed carry license in Idaho, you can go to another state. They may not recognize that. Huh. So that's what we're going to talk really? about. Okay. And this is specifically in New York. Um, in this organization called Bearing Arms, this this is dated uh, February 7th, so just a couple weeks ago. Bearing Arms reports that New York continues to ignore the Supreme Court ruling in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. That ruling affirmed the right of New Yorkers to carry a handgun in public without showing a special need to defend themselves, according to uh, a Supreme Court blog. The court ruled six to three to strike down that law. So in New York, this was it, Gary. In New York, in order to to get a concealed carry license, you had to prove that you had a special need to do so. Hmm. Now, in Idaho, in most states, I think just about every state, you just go down there and make application. Mm-hmm. As long as you, you know, you pass all the all the stuff, you just make application and get your get your license. That's it. But in, in New York, you have to show there's a special need. I'll be darned. That's, that, that is interesting. Uh, so that's that's one thing. And the Supreme Court ruled against it. You can't do that because that is a right, a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Absolutely, yeah. That hasn't stopped New York from imposing draconian gun laws on out-of-state residents, refusing to recognize any other state's concealed carry laws. Moreover, the state makes it virtually impossible for non-residents of New York to apply or receive an out-of-state permit. Now, you think, well, why would they, if you didn't live there, why would you want to get a, a permit? Mm-hmm. A lot of people work in New York, yeah. but don't live there. Mm-hmm. And so they, they just drive across the border and they work there and they want to get a permit and they can't do it. As Bearing Arms wrote, no other constitutionally protected right stops at the state line. However, according to the Neanderthals who run this, the uh New York, uh, state of New York, your Second Amendment rights evaporate once you cross that line. Who wrote this? Pat Droney is the, is who wrote this. So I'm just reading what he, he wrote there. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm just reading what Pat Droney wrote. And he wrote for the Law Enforcement Today uh, online magazine. Massachusetts has similar uh, restrictions, but last August, Lowell District, District Court Justice John Coffey dismissed a criminal case against New Hampshire resident Dean Donnell for carrying a firearm without a license, the, the reload reported. As Coffee ruled, a citizen doesn't lose the right simply by traveling into an adjoining state whose statute mandates that residents of that state obtain a license before exercising their constitutional right. To hold otherwise would inexplicably treat Second Amendment rights differently than any other individually held rights. And when I read that, this is what I thought of, Gary. You have the right to freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. So in Idaho, you can you can go out on the street and say, you know what? I don't agree with our president. I'm against our president. And that's your freedom of speech to do so. Right. Or you can say, I love our president and I support him. And mm-hmm. You can go to Wyoming and say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You can go right. to Montana. You can Anywhere. drive down to Florida. Yeah. But your second, and that's your First Amendment right. But your Second Amendment right once you leave Idaho, you can't do it. That doesn't make any sense. No. I said, well, that, you know. Yeah. So, I anyways. Agree. 
thought that was an interesting argument. Mm -hmm. In response to New York's apparent violation of the Second Amendment, several non-residents have filed lawsuits in federal courts seeking to kneecap New York's restrictions, a lawsuit being uh, enjoyed by Gun Owners of America. So Gun Owners of America is the one that actually filed this. And, of course, there's several plaintiffs. Uh, and we're going to read about one of these. One of these plaintiffs is Carl Higby. You know who Carl Higby is? Oh, yeah. It's on Newsmax. Uh-huh. He's the Newsmax sure guy. I think comes, he comes around at 3 o'clock here. Uh-huh. I think. He's got his own show now. Anyways, under uh, current New York law, only New York residents may apply for and obtain permits to carry concealed weapons. The state does not grant any form of reciprocity. There's that word again. <laughs> yeah, any form of reciprocity to individuals who hold a similar permit from another state. So what, what states do, states have set their own standards. And some states, like in, in Idaho, there's two types of permits in Idaho. One is just your basic concealed carry permit. And all you have to be is 21 years old and not have, you know, not be convicted of a felony or something like that, whatever it is. And uh, you go down and you make application. They run a background check. They give you your license. That's it. Hmm. No training, no uh, nothing. Wow. That's it. You just, because also in Idaho, you can carry a gun. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a permit. You can carry right. a gun concealed. Concealed, yeah. And, okay. and you don't have to have a permit because it's a Second Amendment right to do so. Mm-hmm. And Idaho recognizes that. But Idaho also has what they call the advanced, uh, enhanced, the enhanced concealed carry permit. And the enhanced concealed carry permit, other states will recognize that because there's eight hours of training that come with it. Mm-hmm. So you have to go down, you have to pay for this training. You have training in law. You have training in uh uh, firearm safety, and you go out to the range and do a little bit of shooting. Hmm. Now, it's really just in eight hours, just enough to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you that's do true. have some training, so mm-hmm. that's good. That is good. You know, a little bit of training. But, but New York doesn't recognize any of that. So some states will recognize Idaho's enhanced concealed carry. Higby, it says... Um, Oh, let me uh, skip the paragraph. As a result, those who hold out-of-state driver's license may drive in New York, but exercising one's constitutional right to bear arms in New York is wholly inaccessible to 94% of Americans who are not state residents. New York is the only only known state where non-residents are not allowed to exercise their Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. So that's it. New York's the only state. Hmm. Carl Higby, a host on Newsmax, and a friend of law enforcement today has told us he's been attempting to get a New York permit for years. Now, let's learn a little bit about Higby. He says this, quote, For years I have sought a means to obtain a New York carry permit. As a former Navy SEAL and lawful gun owner of a neighboring state, the fact that there was no mechanism for me to legally exercise the same constitutional right Three miles down the road is ridiculous, Higby mm. says. So he lives three miles yeah. from the state line, and he's trying to get permission. The guy's a former Navy SEAL. Yeah, He knows what he's doing. Meanwhile, Eric <clears throat> Erich, did I pronounce that? Erich? I think so. Erich yeah. Pratt, uh, gun, over, uh, gun Owners of America Senior Vice President, issued the following statement, quote, 
The state of New York and its cadre of anti-gun politicians have done everything in their power to weaken and outright ban the Second Amendment within their borders. The Supreme Court has made it clear that the right to bear arms, bear arms extends to the public square, and this right is for all Americans, not just those who are residents of individual states. Gun Owners of, Amer- of America's Foundation, Stan- Sam Pod- Paduras, <clears throat> speaking on behalf of its board, said this, This is the only example nationwide that we can find where there is an out-of-state, where an out-of-state residence is completely barred from exercising their right to keep and bear arms. And there's no doubt that anti-gun legislature in Albany purposely designed it this way. We've warned these politicians before, and we're going to do it again. Fall in line with the Second Amendment, or we will make you. Well, <clears throat> good for them organizations that are going to hold hold the uh, legislators in New York, hold their feet to the fire, and require them to recognize the Second Amendment right. To, uh, yeah, exactly. Especially after the Supreme Court ruled to strike down that law. Yeah, so the, the Supreme Court told them you can't do this. You know, you've got to uh, to allow people. You know, you can set some parameters. The, the courts have allowed different states to do different mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. But just to make the the hoops you have to dr- jump through so hard that you really can't attain them. Exactly. Or they're expensive. You know, you, I mean, people go out and say you're, you're, you're being prejudiced against those who don't have the funds to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it costs money to go out and uh, some of the times you get a license and things. Right. I mean, it co- well, it costs money to get a driver's license. Yeah, but a driver's license, driving is not a constitutional right. Right. It's a privilege. That's exactly right. And so you do that to keep and bear arms. It's a constitutional right. Yep. Afforded us by the by the Second Amendment. Yeah, good point. And uh, so the, the state's doing that. So be careful where you go. Now, as a retired police officer, I have what was passed by federal law back during the uh, <clears throat> second Bush administration, where if you're a retired if you have at least 15 years, I think it is, 15 continuous years as a law enforcement officer or in the military where you normally carry a gun, you think, well, don't everybody in the military carry guns? No, not no, everybody carry not guns. Everybody. Yeah. Some, are con- you know, some are combatants and some are, are, are non-combatants mm-hmm. in the military. But if you carry a gun on a regular basis, then you can apply for a uh, license that's covered by federal law. Now oh. it's issued by the state, so mm-hmm. I have to go to the I have to go to the the sheriff, and each county is the one that issues that. Mm. So I have to go and get approved by the sheriff to do so, fill out some paperwork and everything, and it's annual. Every year I have to qualify and get that, but that allows me to carry a gun anywhere in the in the states. Oh, huh. well, so that's, I, that's I could good. go to different different yeah. places. Huh? And uh, so, <clears throat> anyways, that that's that covers all. Uh, retired law enforcement and some retired military. So that's the federal law. So you mean yeah. that the states recognize mm-hmm. recognize that? Yeah, as, the, the states have to recognize that yeah. federal law. So all the states they can do it themselves how they want to do it, mm-hmm. but they just have to uh, have to do it. And there's some uh, restrictions that these are the guidelines you got to fall fall by. Oh, gotcha. So, uh, anyways, that's that's that, that was something good that come out of the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing I'd like to talk about is this SWAT call in Florida. Another one out of Florida. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Florida. 
So yeah, so this was from uh, this was written February six, and this comes from uh, Police One, but I think it comes out of the New York Daily News. They they picked it up out of New York Daily News on the AP Wire. Uh, Fort Myers, Florida, a bank robber in Fort Myers, Florida, claiming to have a bomb, was taken out by a SWAT team member when he held a knife to a hostage's throat. Lee County Sheriff Carmine Marcino said at a Tuesday press conference that his officers responded with deadly force after an 11 a.m. robbery at the Bank of America in Bell Tower shops turned violent. It was a chaotic scene, Marcino said. We applied all technology. That's RoboDog, our SWAT team, electronic surveillance, and drones. So they had all this stuff going on. You know, with with technology, they're this RoboDog. I saw a picture of it. <laughs> it's like it's got yeah, it's got it's like this four legged robot. Huh. And uh, they you, they can control it. And it can walk up. Of course, if it goes into someplace where the bad guy's at, the worst the bad guy can do is shoot your you know, million dollar you're, dog or whatever you're it is. Right. But at least it doesn't kill a person. Yeah. And so they can gather information and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's pretty cool. The SWAT team was deployed. They had electronic surveillance. They had drones. They had all this stuff going on at this uh, uh, robbery where uh, uh, hostages were taken. The Lee County office was also assisted by the FBI, so the feds were in on it. According to Mar- Marcino, police tried to negotiate with the unidentified man who was holding two people hostage. When the suspect grabbed a woman and put a knife to her throat, law enforcement opened fire. Hmm. That's exactly what we trained for, Marcino said. The suspect who presented deadly force is no longer with us. You know, he said this in straightforward language, but he spoke the truth. Yes, that's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, he, you know, he's, hey, we tried everything. Mm-hmm. We had this robo dog. We had the SWAT team. We had electronics. We had all this stuff going on. We negotiate them. We had him on the phone talking to him. Mm-hmm. But yet he chose to threaten one of the hostages with the knife, held her at a knife point, put the knife up to her throat, and the sniper took him out. Hmm. And uh, when we read this, a lot of times people go, well, okay, no hostages were hurt. That's good. Well, the bad guy, well, couldn't they have done something else? What about the officer that took him out? Yeah. Think about him, what he's going through. Yeah. You know, he had to make that decision. Mm -hmm. He's pulling a trigger. If he gets off a little bit, he's going to take out a hostage. Yeah. He's going to kill an innocent person. Mm -hmm. But even, and and it turned out good that only the the bad guy was, was shot and killed. He still took a human's life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and different people handle that differently. Right. You know, some officers handle it very well, emotionally and spiritually and, and everything. Others, not, not as much. Mm-hmm. They have just, people are different. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to think about him and, and what he did because he still faces an investigation. Sure. Because unlike, uh, unlike people think that uh, some chief or somebody, give him the green light, take him out. That doesn't happen in law enforcement. Hmm. In law enforcement... You're responsible. If you're the sniper, you are responsible. Your chief can't tell you, go ahead and take him out and you shoot him and you blame the chief. Oh. I don't care if you're, you know, you've only been on a year and you're on the sniper team and the chief says, I want you to shoot. I'm giving you an order to shoot him. That is on you. Hmm. You are responsible to ensure. Now, you may get intelligence from other people. 
Right. Like, and you may not know, they may say, hey, this is what's going on. He's got this, he's got this, he's got this. So based on this intelligence that you've gathered from credible sources, you can make a decision. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that, oh, he said we, we thought he had a bomb and he didn't. And so really you shot a guy that was unarmed and didn't have a bomb. Well, but, but you went on that information that you would gather mm -hmm. from credible witnesses and stuff. So right. that, that, would, that would cover, you know, your, your intent. So, but it's not as clear cut as people like to think it is a mm -hmm. lot of times. There's a lot of things going on. The shooter who took down the suspect will be placed on administrative leave, and that's normal. Mm -hmm. while the situation is investigated. So he's put on administrative leave. He still gets paid. You know, he, he goes home or whatever, and, and he's still paid. Uh, <clears throat> New York uh, or uh, NBC News in Florida reported the sniper was with the police department SWAT unit, which is normal. Uh, Marcino said officers resorted to lethal force out of the fear the hostage would be hurt or killed. Deputies blocked road, roadways around the southwest uh, Florida Bank, while the situation was unfolding, no other injuries were reported. So th that's uh, uh, good for this uh, sheriff. Mm -hmm. I think you so, know, he too. Backed his, if it turned out that uh, the officer was wrong in what he did and whatever, if it turned out, then he can all, hey, the investigation will show that. But initially, from the information he gathered, the officers were exactly right in what they did. Mm -hmm. And he backed them up, and he was out in front backing up his officer and defending him. And that makes, that's a big difference. Yeah. Because that sniper, he's thinking about it. He knows that the sheriff says, hey, you did the right thing. Yeah. You know, now, as far as the evidence shows to this point. So. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this um, uh, a, a while ago, but that trust between a, a, a sheriff, um, a, a chief, you know, yeah. a, a, that trust that they have of, of their officers is, is 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 it very important it is um, yeah. especially when things like this happen because they know it's like well it's i i trust my officers to know that they're not going to be and that's you know, why it's so important for the chief to realize or the sheriff who are you hiring yeah you're the ones that got to defend them mm -hmm. so you better hire top-notch people right and you better provide them with top-notch training yes that's yep training. And, if, and if then they go out and do knucklehead things that's on them yeah but if they're like hey i didn't know i wasn't trained properly mm -hmm. okay that may be on you if they in fact were not trained properly then it is on you yeah so you have to you have to keep thinking about that so the sheriff the top administrators have a lot going and mm -hmm. they, that's why they can't bow down to this we're just going to hire them because of the color of their skin or because they're female or because hey hire quality people mm -hmm. when i call a police officer i don't care if he's investigating a minor accident or responding to to because there's somebody breaking into my home is going to kill my family i want somebody that's trained and know how to do a job yeah <laughs> right. care less what color they are right. I care less they're male or female yes i don't care just give me a quality person there yep. so Anyways, hey, we're out of time, Gary. Thanks for listening in. If you have a topic or question you want addressed on Cop Talk, send us an email. You can email suggestions, questions, comments, or complaints to coptalk at therev.fm. That's coptalk at therev.fm. Thought from the good book today? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Thank you for joining us and help make the thin blue line a strong blue line. Cop Talk is brought to you by the Strong Blue Line Ministries. Visit thestrongblueline.org to learn how you can support them and this podcast. Questions and comments are always welcomed by email to coptalk 
at therev.fm. Follow, listen, and leave a review of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. Cop Talk is produced and edited by Gary Austin and a Rev FM production. Thank you for joining us on Cop Talk.